Welcome to Rants and Reason. I am Chuck. I am Karen. I am a liberal. And I am a conservative. And as Abraham Lincoln reminds us, we are not enemies. We are friends. We are friends. And your birthday weekend's over, so it's time for Meme Monday, Karen. <laughs> so now you're Meme Monday or Mean Monday? Does mean that... and Meme. Oh, okay. Mean Meme Monday. All right, all right. Don't have to be nice to you anymore. I know. Now, this was submitted by Alicia. We thank you greatly. And this meme is in regard to the Trump tax cuts of 2017. And it makes four points. One, only 4.3% of workers will receive a one-time bonus or wage increase. Number two, companies spent 37 times as much on stock buybacks than they did on bonuses or increased wages for workers. Number three, 433 of Fortune 500 companies have announced no plans to share their tax cuts with employees. And number four, a 2018 deficit that is $242 billion higher than projected. This meme, the information on this meme comes directly from a study done by the group Americans for Tax Fairness. It's a left-leaning policy institute, so let's look at each claim, Karen. It's not, it's not really a study. It's a report, because the methodology was not academic. I just want to point that out. Fine. Just Okay. Fine. Only 4.3% of workers will receive a one-time bonus wage or increase. That was the first claim. Well, is that number accurate? It really depends on who you ask. But according to most surveys, from Morgan Stanley to CNBC Money, only between 10% and 13% plan on using the tax windfall for employee raises. So far, more than 300 companies have announced tax cut-related bonuses and raises, benefiting 3.5 million U.S. workers, according to the White House. Many businesses have announced tax cut gifts for their workers, including raises, better benefits, or what a big one-time bonus checks. In fact, I've heard a lot more when we were reading about these, there were a lot more bonuses than anything else, because ultimately that's going to be less money. I mean, that they have yeah, to Yeah, because raises are forever money. Right. Yet, that's a small fraction of the 125.5 million Americans who work for a company. Walmart, the largest U.S. private employer with more than 1 million workers, raised starting wages from $9 to $11 an hour and handed out employee bonuses ranging from $200 to $1,000, becoming the largest company to give credit for new worker benefits to the recently passed tax plan. But economists and simple economics raised doubt on whether tax policy changes were actually the driving force behind the move. With the national unemployment rate at 4.1%, a 17-year low, there are more job openings in the retail industry than at any time since the turn of the century. Walmart didn't mention the great difficulty employers are having finding retaining workers right now. Walmart had to raise wages if it wanted to compete with competitors such as Target. They also need to have cuter stuff because Target has way cuter stuff. Which late last year raised its starting wage to eleven dollars an hour, with plans to reach fifteen dollars by twenty twenty. I need to say that we are in no way affiliated with Target oh, and Karen's yeah. advertisement for them. Disclaimer: I like to shop at Target. End of a disclaimer. Lot. <laughs> a lot. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, let's go to the next point. The company spent 37 times as much on stock buybacks than they did on bonuses or increased wages for workers. Now, while this 37 times figure is very hard to be exact on, most studies are going to show that it's pretty close. One thing is clear from the reporting of numerous studies from nonpartisan sources such as The Economist and Forbes, companies are using the greater portion of tax cuts for stock buybacks. Now, what is a buyback and why is it bad? Buybacks are a strategy to boost stock prices by reducing the number of shares outstanding, which artificially increases a company's earnings per share, but they do little to improve the economy. The pro-business and politically neutral magazine, The Economist, declared that blue chips are engaged in their own kind of financial excess, a dangerous addiction to share buybacks. Share buybacks have become, this is why I quote them, a kind of corporate cocaine that induces a temporary feeling of invincibility, but masks weakness and vacuity. Vacuity is such a fantastic word. Yes, it is. Okay. In a world in which corporate performance and executive compensation are linked to earnings per share and the firm's share price, share buybacks are an easy way out. A shortfall in earnings? No problem. Executives can just have their firm buy a swath of their own shares, sometimes swath. in secret. A swath. swath. Let's just say that again. Swath. A swath. Okay. Go sometimes ahead. in secret and <laughs> presto, the share price rises. Does it? They... It does. They get their bonus and short-term investors make a quick buck. Now, Bill Lazonic's research in his Harvard Business Review article confirms that diagnosis. The bulk of purchases have come when stock prices are high. And as everyone knows, if you're going to buy a bunch of stock, try to buy it low. <laughs> right. So as a result, executives are extracting value from their firms rather than creating it. He says executives are engaged in what is, in effect, stock price manipulation. And not just he says that. A lot of people say that. Proponents of buybacks maintain that investors deserve the maximum return on their investment and the company has a duty to provide it. While a fair response to these critical of the buybacks, it ignores that the tax cuts were sold as a way to increase wages, not maximize investor returns. If you sold the tax plan as a maximizing investor return bill, there would be a political cost of enacting it. Even Marco Rubio, a definite conservative, spoke against buybacks with, by increasing the share value of foreign shareholders and driving new investment to its most productive use, regardless of where or what that use might be, isn't guaranteed to go fully to Americans' paychecks. When this happens, it can encourage arbitrage not american productivity you like the word arbitrage too don't you arbitrage yes now let's go to the next one 433 of the fortune 500 have announced no plans to share their tax cuts with employees this number comes from their study the americans for tax fairness from a survey that they did from use of government wage data but it relies too heavily on public announcements by those companies to fully be trusted right again their, their methodology is very flawed and their sourcing is uh, limited so you you just did not like them you did no. not like their methodology um i don't like any reports that claim to be studies when they don't have when they don't explain their methodology i don't trust that so that's that's part of a study is explaining your methodology well but, let's move to the next point okay let's do that 
a 2018 deficit that is $242 billion higher than projected. Now, this is another tricky number to assess. If, if you only look at lost revenue, the tax cuts cost one thing. If you assume that they will cause an increase in gross domestic product, they could cost far less. Now, the Congressional Budget Office studied them and projected that these tax cuts would increase GDP by 0.7% a year. That's a significant amount. The report estimates that the tax bill will add $1.8 trillion to the deficit over the coming decade, even after its positive effects on the economy are factored in. And remember, this was a tax bill that was sold to us as it will pay for itself. Right. No study, no economist in the world has come to that conclusion that right. it's going to pay for itself. Right. Now, the economic growth promises to drop nationwide unemployment below 4%, and it has. But the report, it paints a very bleak picture of the federal deficit, predicting it's going to hit $804 billion this year, rise to just under $1 trillion for the upcoming budget year, and permanently breach the $1 trillion mark in 2020 unless Congress stems spending. The government will borrow about 19 cents of every dollar it spends this year. Deficits will grow to $1.5 trillion by 2028 and could exceed $2 trillion if the tax cuts are fully extended. And this is something that could trigger a debt crisis. So that's, that's something really serious to keep an eye on. Definitely. Sometimes what a meme doesn't say can render it manipulative, though. And the money companies stashed overseas to protect them from high U.S. corporate tax rates is flooding back in, boosting growth, jobs, and confidence in the economy. And, I, you know, we can thank the Trump tax cuts for that. The Bureau of Economic Analysis explained why this happened. The large magnitudes of inward capital flows reflect the repatriation of accumulated earnings by foreign affiliates of U.S. multinational enterprises and their parent companies in the United States in response to the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. In short, the Trump tax cuts did it. All told, the Bureau of Economic Analysis, the BEA, reported that some $305 billion returned to the U.S. from overseas accounts. That's $1.2 trillion annually and far more than the $35 billion one year before. Well, they're still sitting on the money, but... Right, but I would like to see, I mean, something that we, we just didn't have time to kind of get, delve into for this one, but I would like to see how much of the tax cut is going into the offshoring coming back to the U.S. So well, I think they did a pretty good job trying to figure that out. But See, I didn't. I, I actually had a lot of a very hard time finding You don't believe that. the Bureau of Economic Analysis? No, they talked about the money. They didn't talk about how much of that went into redevelopment of the companies here instead of offshoring. Fair enough. <laughs> all in all, we're going to rate this meme, Karen. Dun, dun, dun. Time will tell, but it leans true. It does, and right. I have some thoughts on this. Okay. You have thoughts on everything. I, well, I did not agree with the tax cuts because tax cuts may make sense when the economy is slowing down and needs a jolt. What we have right now are record business profits, a surging stock market, and tight labor markets that are finally starting to push up wages, so there's not really a need for a stimulus package. There is a need to reduce the debt, the deficit. Mm-hmm. Now, Trump and the Republicans and, I want it noted, the House Freedom Caucus, 
who were so rabid in their attacks on Obama's spending have gone back to Reagan's big idea of 1980, that cutting tax rates are going to produce this miraculous growth by giving companies more cash for productive investment. Never mind that it's never worked in practice. Never mind that companies are loaded with cash right now. The Trump Republicans need some way to claim credit for this economy, an economy that they walked into. So instead of making the wealthy wealthier, we might want to have the goal of our corporations to be to create long-term value for all of their stakeholders, customers, employees, and shareholders, not just short-term profit for their shareholders and huge salaries for their CEOs. Well, you and I differ when it comes to economics, and that's one of the areas that we've debated the most in, and I'm sure that we w- people will hear that more on the show. And, and I, I really am a believer in some of the positive aspects of supply-side economics. And why don't you tell them some of the other things you believe in, like voodoo? <laughs> anyway... I actually agree with Rubio on supply-side economics. He said an updated framework for supply-side tax cuts would apply Ronald Reagan's great aphorism, trust but verify. We need an internationally competitive corporate tax rate, but the gains from corporate tax rates should be geared to benefit Americans as much as possible. So supply-side economics is based on three main principles, okay? That large business tax cuts are supposed to increase labor demand. That large personal tax cuts are supposed to increase labor supply. And with the increases in labor demand and supply, employment is supposed to increase. And number three, deregulation of intrusive government is supposed to increase productivity. And that, plus the unfettered business eco-climate, is supposed to drive innovation. So although I think these principles are largely effective, they don't work as a blanket policy. I think a more precision-based and updated version of supply-side economics is necessary. Also, in direct response to the tax cuts, the truth of the matter is that all too often companies find their way out of paying many taxes anyway. I believe adding wage incentives would have been a much more effective way to go. And I believe that this was planned to be a windfall all along and they were getting pressure from their donors so much so that the Republicans admitted that they were getting pressure from their you donors know what? to cut their taxes. You were just supposed to end it. You don't get to like have the final say. I just that just came to me. <sighs> and that is all we have to say about that. Well, we would like to thank everyone who takes the time to listen to us. You can find us on Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, and other platforms. And we would really appreciate you dropping us a positive review on iTunes or on our page. We do have a pretty active Facebook group. If you'd like to join, you can find us on Facebook at Rants and Reason Podcast Facebook group. We also want to thank our moderators. We have the best moderators on Facebook. We do. We do. They're making moderating great again. Oh, God. I'm sorry, guys. Um, (laughs) You can follow us on Twitter at Rants Reason. And if you want to support the show, which we would really, really, really appreciate, we do have a Patreon page and you can find us on Patreon as Rants and Reason. That is all we have. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye.